0: Pastor Xavier Reese helps paint a picture
1: of true worship. Isaiah 2:2, listen, all will come to Jerusalem. Now in that day, when it shall come to pass in the latter days, that the mount of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall float to Jerusalem in that day. Prior to that, all of the nations will bow to the Antichrist. In the millennium, everybody will bow to Jesus Christ.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Can you imagine a big church service free from man's influence and worshiping God in perfection? Well, that's what's described for us in the book of Revelation. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us to church as the Lord intended it to be, in this message titled, The Worship in the Millennium. Let's listen.
1: Merrill Unger declares the following, quote, Ezekiel's temple is a literal uh, future sanctuary to be constructed in Palestine as outlined during the millennium. Uh, there's, there's no other interpretation to it, though there are. If you're going to be true to the text, this is the only one. Now, we've kind of looked at some of this and we've seen some of the sacrifices. So the sacrifice in the millennium will exist. And often the question is Why? The sacrifices offered are interesting. Some say that they are of the Mosaic order, according to Levitical law. But they are not exactly as the Mosaic order, if you compare them. Though there are some similarities, there are also differences. Some of the similarities is that there is a worship center of the altar where the blood is sprinkled, in chapter 43, verse 13 through 18, because the principle of forgiveness is always a token of blood, way back from the beginning of Genesis, blood. There is burnt offerings, sin offerings, trespass offerings in Ezekiel forty thirty nine. Now, burnt offerings, you know, were for dedication and consecration. Sin offerings when you miss the mark. Trespass offerings when you willfully disobey. So there's, there's a distinction between them. And as you know, as people occupy the kingdom age, not us who are glorified and reigning, but those who survive the tribulation, great tribulation without taking the mark, they will repopulate and they will have sin nature and they will still need forgiveness and restored fellowship, okay? Not the church. There is a Levitical order, but the only ones mentioned are the sons of Zadok in Ezekiel forty-three, nineteen, 19 and 25 through 27. So the priests are still mentioned here. There are meal offerings as part of the ritual cleansing of the altar all of this involved new moons sabbath days similarities there will be morning sacrifices in 4613 there will be perpetual inheritance as you know israel inherits the land all that was promised to her passover feasts will be observed ezekiel 45 21 through 25 The year of jubilee, the year of liberty, every 50 years will be observed. Ezekiel 46, 17. The manner of the priest's life, the dress, the substance, the order are given to us in great detail. The temple where all the ministry takes place is the location of the glory of God throughout the book. And yet there are differences. Though these similarities are there, there are differences. The dimensions of the temple are neither Solomon nor Zerubbabel's temple. That is something that's very, very obvious as you read this temple. There is no ark of the covenant, no pot of manna, no Aaron's rod, no mercy seat, no candle stand, no showbread, no veil. The measure of the altar burnt offering is different than the one in the Mosaic order. The social, moral, and civil law given by Moses are absent here. The feast of Pentecost is not mentioned. There is uh, additions to the Levitical system, like the entrance of the glory in the temple forever, the living waters that flow out of it, the trees for healing, the distribution of the land. As you know, the glory of God only appeared once a year in the Shekinah glory in the Holy of Holies over the mercy seat on the day of Yom Kippur now it's present always the city is given a new name in ezekiel 48:35 this is the name of it yahweh shama the lord is there <laughs> real simple the lord is there there is the person and ministry of the prince as we've mentioned who has royal and priestly privileges in many of the chapters and he seems to occupy an intermediary place between the people and the priesthood and most likely as we said it's David again and so the purpose of the sacrifice offered are as follows the sacrifices of the millennium cannot have any relationship to expiation to the forgiveness of sin in other words it's not the sacrifice being offered that expiates or forgives it can't because the book of hebrews tells us hebrews seven twenty seven, as you know that the atoning work of redemption was finished by jesus christ so scripture again interprets scripture listen to hebrews 7 27 Who, speaking of Jesus, does not need daily, as those high priests who offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. So the work of atonement, the work of salvation, the work of forgiveness has been finished. So whatever is happening during the millennial, it cannot contradict what is already stated. The Old Testament sacrifices, you know, never forgave sins. Hebrews 10:4 tells us that. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could put away sin. The blood of bulls and goats were an IOU of the true payment to come. It wasn't the payment itself. The sacrifice of the millennium will be then memorial in character. The last supper is a permanent memorial of the death of our Lord and what he accomplished at salvation until he comes. Every time we partake, this is his body broken for it. This is the blood shed for the remission of sins. It's in memorial. He doesn't have to die every time. He doesn't have to be broken every time. It happened already. So we look back on it. And so as we look back on the cross, these sacrifices in like manner will be a constant reminder of all that he accomplished in the redemption of man. He and he alone paid the price for sin for both Jew and for Gentile. All will be commemorative of the majestic work of Christ, the amazing types, the ultimate fulfillment and reality of Jesus present in the millennial kingdom. Do you understand the authority of a receipt it declares you have fulfilled your obligation of debt. In like manner, the sacrifice of the millennium. They will be a reminder to all that Jesus alone paid the price for the sins of the world, all of them. You can't mistake it. You know, if the bank calls you up and says, you know, Mr. Smith, we haven't received your, your uh, payment for your car for the last four months. And you call them up and say, hey, listen, I've got the pink slip. It's paid for. <laughs> you don't freak out about it. You have the pink slip. They can write all the letters they want. They can take you to court. And you walk in and say, here it is, judge. I'm debt free. The words of John the Baptist to his disciples were very prophetic in their nature in John one twenty nine, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Every one of them understood what that meant because they were schooled as Jews in the Levitical order of prophetic types of the Messiah to come. The words of Jesus to Philip are just as clear. In John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Very, very clear. There's no room for interpretation. The words of Jesus from the cross confirm everything spoken about him. In John 19:30, he says, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he says, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the Spirit. It is finished regarding what? The work of salvation, the work of atonement. It's done. What should we say about John the Beloved? As he is so consistent with the testimony of both the old and new testament in the book of revelation that we've been studying for the past months in chapter 5 of revelation the lamb of god is the focus of the heavenly scene in the midst of the throne everyone is beholding him only him alone in chapter 4 the father is worship as creator in chapter 5 the lamb of god is worship as the one who is worthy to loosen the seals of the scroll and he is the one worthy to be praised. The four living creatures and all the elders have their eyes on him. John can't take his eyes off of him. In verse 6, 8, 12, and 13, he keeps looking at him. In fact, the use of the title, the Lamb of God, is most interesting to the scriptures. It's only found two times in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 53, 7, and Jeremiah eleven-nineteen. Two times in the Gospels, John 1:29 1, and 1.36. Two times in the book of Acts, Acts eight thirty two, once in the epistles, first Peter one nineteen. Yet it is found twenty-eight times in the book of Revelation in the diminutive little lamb. It's him. He's still the one. <laughs> like that song says, He's still the one. He's the one worthy to be worshipped. Him and him alone. And so this is the meaning of the sacrifices of the millennium. They point to him and him alone. Now, thirdly is the covenant of the millennium. The millennial age will be a different place, as you know, as far as um, the earth is concerned. The Lord will change the topography of the land. Zechariah 14.4 says this, And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north and half towards the south. It's interesting, years back, it could be 10, even 20 years now, uh, one of the uh, big hotel chains wanted to put a hotel up in Mount of Olives and they did some geological uh, studies and they found there was a fault there so they couldn't do it. How interesting. The Bible says it's going to split in two. But even if there wasn't a fault, is that going to be a problem for God to split a mountain? I doubt it. Isaiah 2.2, all will come to Jerusalem. Now in that day... When it it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Every nation. All the nations will flow to Jerusalem in that day. Prior to that, all of the nations will bow to the Antichrist. In the millennium, everybody will bow to Jesus Christ. The Feast of Tabernacles will be key. Zechariah 14, 16 through 17 says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up year by year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. So everybody has to go up there once a year. Whoever doesn't, No rain. No water. Now, they're not glorified. They're living like you and I are right now. We're glorified. Unless you're glorified, you're going to need water. That's just the bottom line. The animal kingdom, as you know, will be reverted prior to the fall. Isaiah 65, 25 says, The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. That'll be a sight. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The dust shall be the serpent's food. Interesting, the only thing that is not reverted during the thousand-year reign is the serpent because it was the instrument of the fall. It's the only one. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And so the millennial age will be the fulfillment of the new covenant to Israel. Listen, according to the prophets, It has not yet been fulfilled. Jeremiah chapter 31, if you were with us when we studied Jeremiah, you'll recall that. In chapter 31, verse 31 to 34, gives us very specific things that have not been fulfilled and still need to be fulfilled regarding Israel. And the context is Israel, not the church. Listen to verse 31 of Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel Listen, in the house of Judah, because he's speaking in Jeremiah's day, and Judah and Israel were divided. Remember? Okay? Then verse 32, he says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the days that I took them out of the land to lead them out of the land of Egypt. So he makes the contrast. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. So it's going to be different. They're divided as a nation. It's not like the past. And then verse 33 says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Now he makes her as one. Now he makes Judah and Israel as a one nation. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds, write them in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Isn't that the only way we can be one with God and one with each other? When God gives us a new heart and a new spirit? You and I have experienced this. Israel has not yet experienced this. Verse 34, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities and their sin. I will remember no more. That which you and I have experienced, they are yet to experience. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. They will in that day. If you've ever read Joel, the prophet, he declares this new covenant. And he declares it in a way that the Spirit of God will be poured out upon them. Listen to Joel 2, 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass after this that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Now this began in the day of Pentecost. Peter quoted it. But it is a short term and long term. And if you notice, Peter quoted the entire prophecy of Joel that goes all the way to the tribulation and great tribulation. And that's why it's a two-full fulfillment. Verse 29 of Joel says, And all my manservants and my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days. Very specific. So it began in Pentecost, but the second fulfillment, the long-term fulfillment, is during the Great Tribulation. When Israel will know that they made a covenant with the Antichrist, he's deceived them. We've already seen in chapter 12 of Revelation, Israel runs to Petra to flee the Antichrist flees, pursues her, and God intervenes and houses her in the city of Petra for three and a half years. Then they will know and they will call upon their Lord. Not until then. Ezekiel again confirms both Jeremiah and Joel in the New Covenant. Chapter 36 Verse 26 to 32. In 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take a heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Confirm me, Jeremiah. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and will keep my judgments and do them. And that's the only way we can obey the Lord, by his spirit. None of us can keep God's word through the energies of our own flesh. None of us can keep God's word. And how many times people, well, you know, I'm never going to do that, Lord. Don't ever say that to the Lord because you'll you'll end up doing it again. (laughs) If anything, say, Lord, please strengthen me so I don't do that again. (laughs) Lord, let me depend upon you so I don't do that again. But don't make promises, okay? There are no promise keepers. Sorry for the pun, but, you know, if you think you're a promise keeper, you're going to be disappointed with yourself. It's only God who strengthened us to be able to obey him and to keep his word. There's nothing in us that we can do that. Verse 28 says, then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and shall be my people and I will be your God ultimately. Verse 29, I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and increase the fields so that you will never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Verse 29 and 30. So abundance during the millennial kingdom. God's going to bless them. They're going to have the harvest. They're going to have the land. Everything. Then in verse 31. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. It's always good to have a proper perspective of myself. You want to make sure you remember where you came from so you can respond to your loving passion to your master, what he's done for you, and that it's by him and him alone. Then he says, not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own way. Oh, how of through verse 32. And so God will fulfill that. He's yet to do it to Israel. It will happen in the millennium. Now the worship will be of no one else but the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ then. That's the bottom line of the millennial kingdom. In fact, Isaiah says, and it shall come to pass that from uh, one new moon to another and from the Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come and worship me, says the Lord in Isaiah 66, 23. There will be no exceptions. Jesus is not going to be politically correct. Well, you know, if you just want to worship Buddha, you can go go ahead. He's a nice kind of guy. No, no, no. It's him and him alone. Jeremiah declares they shall ask the way to Zion with their faces towards it, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. Jeremiah 50, verse 5. Ezekiel says, for in, uh, in the mountain height of Israel, says the Lord, there all the house of Israel. All of them in the land shall serve me. There I will accept them and they will require your offerings and the first fruits of your sacrifices together with all the holy things. I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out of the people and gather you from all the countries where I have scattered you. And I will be hollowed in you. Before the Gentiles, Ezekiel 20, 40 through 41. Because remember, the Gentiles are going to serve the Jew during the millennial kingdom. Okay? Zechariah states, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, People shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. Yes, many people, strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Zechariah 8, 20 through 22. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now you do it willfully of your own accord. Then there'll be no choice. The entire book of Revelation is given to us to believe and to know that all will take place exactly as God has revealed it. Listen to how John closes his revelation. 22, 18 through 21. For I testify to everyone who bears or hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in the book. And if anyone takes away from the books, words written in the book of this prophecy, God will shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, from the things which are written in the book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming suddenly. That's the word quickly. Amen, so be it. Even so, come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you all. Amen. So in other words, we cannot be selective. This is the word of God. He died for it covenant of the millennium is distinct from the old and the new. And so here you have what the Bible teaches about the worship during the millennium. As we have looked at the temple of the millennium, the sacrifice of the millennium, and the covenant of the millennium. Now you can tell people what's going to happen in the millennium. You've had a lot of information. And so may God give us wisdom to read Study and believe what he has said.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese helps us get a better picture of the things still to come. Now you can request a copy of today's study called The Worship in the Millennium. You can request a copy for only $4 on CD. This message also contains what we heard the last time we were together. Now the title to ask for once again is The Worship in the Millennium. Or simply mention today's date when you write... Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. One day, Satan's dominion will be crushed once and for all. Find out more when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com